0: seeing red podcast that's right that's right it is another edition here of the seeing red podcast as always i am your host troy moriello bringing you up to date and up to speed on all things saint john's basketball Uh, we've got a very unique Show for you tonight. I think uh, we've never done anything like this in the uh, two plus month history of this podcast. We're kind of combining two things. We're going to do a little bit of an instant reaction here to tonight's win over St. Francis, Brooklyn. I'm actually uh, recording this over the f- uh, final couple minutes to get it out as soon as possible after the game. So there's three minutes left right now, but it's St. John's is up by uh, 28. So I think it's uh, safe to call this a nice win, an easy win. Uh, so we're going to talk about that for a few minutes, and then we have an interview. We have a different kind of interview. We've never done one like this. It's, it's more of a, I would say, like a lighthearted interview. Uh, not really any analysis going on in this interview, which is something we've never done before. Uh, the subject of that interview is Billy Um uh, Some of you may have heard of his book. I hope you have. It's the last of the Red Men. It's a memoir by Billy. He uh, he came in. He did a we did about a half an hour interview. It was really really good over the phone last night. Um, the det- this book, the memoir details his journey from being cut all four years uh, on his high school basketball team, going to play uh, Division three college basketball, ending up back. At St. John's, walking onto the team in the 1993-94 season, so uh, some of you older fans may remember him actually as a player, as a walk-on on St. John's, not to uh, not to date Billy or anything like that, but um, some of you may remember him. And then uh, some of you, maybe if you're out on Long Island, know the name as well because he is one of the most successful high school basketball head coaches in Long Island basketball history, uh, winning a couple championships with uh, Hills West High School out there before he retired uh, after the 2017 season. So we had Billy in. We did an interview. It's really one of our best interviews, not to you know uh, decredit any of our other guests, but it's one of our best interviews that we've done, I think, on this show. I'm very proud of it. So I hope you all stick around for that. I will get into a little bit of a recap now as the game winds down. It's a 30-point lead for St. John's. It's a nice win there, 11-0, uh, unbeaten for the first, uh, to at this point in the season for the first time in over, I think, 35, 36 years now, 1982. Um I have to say, you know, for all of us, me myself included, for all of us that had issue or had taken issue with this team not playing a full game and not looking uh, as good against these, you know, lackluster opponents as they should, I think that this pretty much put that to bed. Um, unless, they, unless they lose... To uh, Sacred Heart on Saturday, I think that we can't really complain anymore about you know not showing up for these games because they showed up tonight against St. Francis Brooklyn. The game was never really in doubt. It could, they start a little slow, I guess. But the defensive intensity was there. Uh, the offense was moving the ball well. They've ran some nice set plays, which we don't see all the time, coming out of timeouts. Uh, the final score, is, by the way, is going to be 86-52. So it's an 86-52 win for uh, for St. John's as the uh, backups are in the game right now, running out the clock. But yeah you know a good start finally for St. John's uh the, you know the game was it wasn't a huge lead in the first half but you could tell that they were controlling the game in the first half and then what I really liked the second half you know taking a 12 point lead uh into the into halftime against you know a, as I said a lackluster opponent in uh, in St. Francis Brooklyn and right away in the first five minutes in 8-0 run to start the second half get that lead up to 20 and then it obviously ballooned up to you know 30 but getting that lead up to 20 and really that was the difference I I think in this game. Um, But yeah, you know, I think that that's definitely their most complete game. They really played for a full 40 minutes. So for everyone complaining that this team was struggling to play a full game, uh, we just saw it. And I think that that's, I don't know at this point, as I said, unless they lose, knock on wood, unless they lose to uh, to Sacred Heart on Saturday night, I don't think that we can now complain about how this team has looked because we saw it. You know, you see if they come out with that defensive intensity and if they come out with that type of play on offense, they're going to be fine. And I think that you know we can't complain now about anything really in the uh, in the non-conference play. Uh, a couple of notes here I thought in the first half they had a very good flow like I said everyone was involved uh, Mikey Dixon had the 10 he banked in that shot at the buzzer uh, the 3 uh, LJ had 9 come on Marvin Clark had 7 he had. He was awesome I want to get his final stats here if I can but he was stuffing this uh, the stat sheet all night long uh, let me see if I can get his final stats up for you guys real quick yeah, Marvin Clark, 12 points, 7 rebounds, 4 assists, 4 blocks, too. He had the big one. Uh, he was doing it all. He had like a, a Sir Dominic pointer game from a couple of years ago where he was just doing it all for them on both ends of the floor. I really liked how he played tonight. Uh, he shot well. He shot relatively well as well, actually. Um, the whole team shot well, 54%, uh, 41%. They didn't really even take this this big uh, lead, and they didn't really you know, get to this blowout really by shooting the 3. They went 7 of 17, which is a solid percentage, but you know only, only 7 made 3 pointers. It was really... Attacking the basket, getting to the rim, and uh, you know, if you play man to man against St. John's, especially a team that's not as talented uh, like St. Francis Brooklyn, um, they're gonna get to the basket so easily. And you saw that they attacked the basket, um, and you know, they were getting so many easy layups or you know, kicking out for open threes. So, I like that. Um, I want to talk, too, about the three-point defense. Uh, Let's see how St. Francis... Yeah, they were 5-of-30, which is... You you can't complain. They went, I think, 2-of-15 in the first half and then 3-of-15 in the second half. Can't complain about the three-point defense. There were some open shots, for sure, that were missed. But overall, I mean, if you hold a team to 16% or 17% from three-point range, you're not going to complain. So that was kind of rectified tonight. As well, uh, the offensive rebounds in the first half I noted as well wasn't great. Uh, they finished with twelve. I think the offensive rebounds finished actually kind of close, twelve ten. So St. John's out, out rebounding them in the second half, ten to two on the offensive glass. But it was uh it were. Yeah, ten to ten to four. Sorry, on the offensive glass, but uh, they gave up a lot of second chance points in the uh, in the first half, which I didn't love. But that's okay. Uh, Mustafa Heron for a large part of this game, he ended up actually having an okay game. He was four of eleven from the field, had eight points and six rebounds. Uh, For a large portion of this game, uh, he looked like he was the announced that he was pressing a little bit. I don't know if he was pressing, but he just he didn't look himself. Uh, for a large portion of this game. And that's all right because his teammates picked him up. Look at the balance scoring. Like I mentioned 13 for Figueroa, 13 for Dixon, 12 for Pons, 12 for Clark. You know, so they're mixing it around. They got 50 of their 86 from those four guys. That's a really solid job out of them. Um, but yeah, I think at this point now. It's nice to have this momentum, although I don't know if any momentum is really going to carry over Uh, heading into Biggie's play. They have that week off now uh, from Saturday night's game until the Seton Hall game, not to mention Christmas is in the middle of that for those who celebrate. So I don't know how much of this momentum is going to carry over, but uh, I think that it definitely it certainly does kind of, you know, quell. The uh, the fans uh, like myself who had taken issue with how they were starting these games and, and mostly in the first half really how these first half were starting. So you know to be honest with you, I saw really all I needed to see in the first uh, 25 minutes of this game. Once they took the 20 point lead uh, at the 15 minute mark of the second half, I, I had pretty much seen all I needed to see. And they they closed you know the next 10 meaningful minutes uh, playing well as well. So uh, you know you can't complain here. It's an 86 to 52. When I hadn't done one of these in a while. These are kind of rapid things, so I wanted to wait uh, to release this podcast until after that. So, yeah, that's uh, that's a quick little recap there for those who are interested in maybe if you missed the game or, you know, not a whole lot going on there. Yeah. So not a whole lot going on there, but obviously a whole lot left to come in this show because we are going to get to our interview now with the great Billy Materatona. He is as i said an author he is a former saint john's walk-on player he is a long island host high school coaching legend i would say i would say legend probably i don't live out on long island but i would classify uh, his his coaching career 17 years at one school and a couple uh, of uh, long island titles i would call him a legend for sure out there um We talked to Billy for about a half an hour. As I said, I'm really, really proud of how this interview turned out, so I I hope you'll you'll, uh, listen to it all the way through. It's about half an hour, actually, and uh, he could not have been more gracious with his time, Billy. Um, The book is really interesting. Like I said, if you're looking for a uh, stocking stuffer for yourself, or for another St. John's fan that you might know, uh, I can't recommend this book enough. I got a chance to read the first couple chapters, and I, I really enjoyed it. So um, go to you can go to lastoftheredmen.com. As Billy says in the interview, you can go on to Amazon and search the book as well. It's on there. And, uh, yeah, so definitely check that out. And I, I, Before I get to the interview, I, I do want to thank uh, Twitter user George Petillas, he was the one. I hope I got your name right there, George. He's the one that uh, he's a listener and he's the one that actually um, notified me of Billy. So I definitely want to thank George. Thank you so much, man. Cause he was the one I might not have even heard of Billy. No offense to Billy, but I might not have even heard of his story. Uh, if it weren't for George who DM me on Twitter a couple weeks ago, letting me know, uh, I wanted to save this interview for a time that I can really give it justice and, you know, let it play out and, you know, and give it the time that it needed, uh, during one of these like slower weeks. And that's what we did. So thank you, George. Thank you, Billy. And uh, I hope you guys enjoy the interview. I'll be back at the end to wrap things up. Okay, we are now joined by a very special guest. He is Billy Materatona. He is, I don't even know where to start, actually. He is a former St. John's player, walked onto the team after an incredible story, which you're going to get into. That story was so incredible, so inspiring, that it actually became a book, a memoir. It is Last of the Red Men, a memoir by Billy Materatona. He was a legendary Long Island high school coach, basketball. And uh, he joins us now for a little bit. Billy, thank you for coming on the show.
1: Thank you for having me,
0: Troy. I appreciate it. Mm-hmm. And uh, we'll get into this in a little bit, but you can obviously pick up his book as a, uh, a last-minute stocking stuffer for all your St. John's fans. We'll, uh, we'll tweet out the link to Amazon. We'll get to that at the end of the interview, obviously. But uh, I, I do want to start with this book. It's Last of the Red Men. It's a memoir by you. Uh, I'm interested to know, <laughs> you, you kind of get into this in the first couple of pages that I read in the book. Uh, when did the idea kind of come about, if you want to give like a quick synopsis of that, and once you actually had the idea for the book, how long did it actually take for you to write it, to plan it, to actually get it published? How long did that take?
1: That's a great question, Troy. We, uh, I, I was about 10 years ago. And my dad was visiting from Las Vegas, my father, Angelo, and, uh, he was in visiting us for the holidays and we we're sitting around on uh, Christmas Eve and, uh, we were just sitting there eating dinner. And, and he goes, you know, Phil, you should write a book. And I said, what, what are you talking about? He's like, well, your story is inspirational. I, I don't know why you don't think that. You should write a book. And I said, well, you're crazy. What am I going to do? i got three little kids. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm coaching high school basketball, teaching. Uh, he said, well, think about it. And I said, all right. And after that season was over at Hills West High School in Long Island, I, uh, we won our first county championship. And, and I said, you know what? All right. My father, You know, he was pretty inspirational to me, so I'm going to write it. That was 10 years ago. And then I put it down. I started writing it, actually handwriting it. And I put it down for probably a good seven and a half, eight years. <laughs> and then, you know, he passed away almost two years ago. And I said, you know what? I know the ending now. <laughs> so I, I, I finished up my last year coaching at Hills West in February of 2017. And I said, you know what? I'm going to do it. And it took me about a year and a half to get it done from start to finish. <laughs> um powering through it so
0: so uh, and i'm guessing your father was a a big inspiration for for uh i guess starting the book right i mean how how much of an impact did he have on on the process of of putting the book together for you
1: yeah he was uh he's a special he was a special guy he was my first well first of all he played college high school basketball at erasmus in brooklyn and played at university of utah college wow and then played for the Washington Generals against the Harlem Globetrotters for three years. Oh, wow! So he played against Will Chamberlain when Chamberlain was on the Gen- on the Globetrotters and uh, Meadowlark Lemon, and uh, he he knew what it was like to lose. And there's a reason for me <laughs> bringing that up. Um, when I when he co- he was my first baseball coach in Rosedale and Queens, and my first um, basketball coach in C.Y.O. And whenever we lost, you know, kids handle things weird at a, at a young age. And he always said, guys, it's OK. You're going to get better. Don't worry about it. One of his big lessons that I always used was that everybody's everybody's special on the team and everybody's the same and everybody's going to have the same playing time. Mm-hmm. And for most part, that worked out the way he did things. And, and I think he learned that from his career of losing so much that, you know what? Did you have fun today? You know, because, you know, I had fun watching you. And and if you had fun, then my job is done. So um, he was a real inspiration to me because he was such a hard worker. Mm -hmm. And uh, he worked from, I don't know, probably from the age of... uh, when I was probably eight years old to probably 30 years old, I think he worked straight through seven days a week, but wow. a couple of days off here and there as a cab driver in New York City. And just an amazing work ethic. He got up every day and went. Yep. So he really inspired me.
0: And let's talk about that that work ethic and that kind of you know losing and maybe facing rejection. And let's get into your playing career for a second. Now, I want to make sure that I that I understand this correctly. You didn't play... One minute of high school basketball. You were cut from your high school team all four years. Is that correct? That's correct. Archbishop <laughs> Molloy High. School. At Molloy, yeah, and you go on to play uh, Division Three at at Westbrook College, I believe. Now, what like, what made you want to continue your your playing career? I mean, like, for I, I just going off personal experience I, I love baseball i'm a huge baseball fan i love playing baseball i got cut from my ninth grade baseball team and i was like i'm done with this i'm not playing baseball anymore <laughs> so like what made you want to continue playing after facing rejection so many times well what made you want to pl- continue playing after high school into college
1: it was uh my freshman year of high school i tried out for the archbishop Molloy freshman team
0: mm-hmm.
1: we're probably 150 kids and
0: there's 400 kids in a the class there mm-hmm. so they're all boys so 150 boys show up for
1: tryouts. I was not that good that year. I can honestly say it. I can objectively say I did not deserve to make the team. Mm-hmm. I get home, I'm devastated, I'm crying. I'm like, you know what, I'm going to get better. So my parents are like, come on, it's freshman. you can try out for JV, you'll be fine, mm-hmm. you're going to get taller, which I did. Mm-hmm. Um, I was a late bloomer. And then I worked my butt off. I put... Time in day after day in the backyard playing in as many leagues as I could. Went to basketball camp over the summer, played in schoolyards all over Queens after school, um, and I was ready for my JV tryouts. And it was a different coach, so he was looking at everybody fresh and new for the first time. Mm-hmm. And I went in there and I thought I was going to make it. And devastation for the JV team. Mm-hmm. Now we got to remember Archbishop Malloy and my freshman and sophomore year of high school were in the top five schools in the nation mm-hmm. led by Kenny Anderson, who was the best player in the country. Mm-hmm. So it was, it was a different time, you know, and, and I don't want to make, you know, any less of any other schools but archbishop was a special place Mm. for basketball and people went there for basketball so i so my father said something very important after my sophomore year i'm devastated i'm upstairs crying like you know most kids who care about it and he goes bill if you truly love it you're gonna you're gonna try out for the bit not only that you will play college basketball and then he walked out of my room Mm -hmm. and i was like wow he believes in me that much, but he doesn't get it. You just don't, you just don't not play high school basketball, you know, and especially Malloy, You can't make the varsity if you don't play freshman at JV. Mm-hmm. That never happens. So he, he said, you will play college basketball. And I didn't play a minute in high school, and he was right
0: let's let's talk about now so you, so you play d3 i want to talk about now getting back to queens you, you said you come back to queens you continue your education at st john's um i'm not sure maybe if the process is the same it is as it is today i don't even really know what the process is today for walking on to a team um how did you get involved with the basketball team like what was that what was that process like of, of becoming a walk-on uh getting to know the team things like that
1: well, I was after first of all, I had a wonderful experience up in Maine at Westbrook College, and I played for a wonderful man named Jim Graham who saved my life pretty much. I mean, he, he gave me a chance to play basketball in college, and I learned so much from him and playing with my teammates up in Maine. And I transferred home because my mom and dad both got sick at the same time. Okay. So I wanted to stay in the game, so I went back to Coach Kern at Malloy, and I said, Coach, I want to. You know, I want to be a manager at, at St. John's for the team. I want to help out. I want to stay in it. I want to coach one day. He's like, "Well, just go in and ask him." And I said, "All right, great, great idea." So I went into Coach Mahoney, who was a new coach, and I said, "Coach, I'd like to be a, a manager for the team this year." And he said, "Well, we're pretty, we're pretty tight, but I always need extra people in practice. So I would help the team in practice." There was a, a red shirt freshman that year named Tom Bain from Brentwood who was who came in overweight and they knew he was overweight they said bill we want you to bring him in the other gym and work him out every day for two hours get him down 30 pounds and i got him down 40 pounds and they were so excited by the end of the season that they said you know this kid takes basketball seriously and i would help him practice and they saw that was all right and then the senior year happens and um, I got very lucky my senior year to be in the right place at the right time at St. John's.
0: <laughs> well, yeah, let's talk about that now. So, 93, so yep. 94. Um, I, I watched some of those some of those highlights that you have on your uh, on your website. <laughs> one thing I noticed, I mean, the, the crowd always seems to kind of get up when the uh, when the walk-ons are coming in and, and trying to make shots there at the end. But but right. for you, it seemed like something w- w- was different that they like you were like a, a hero on that canvas to those to those guys. <laughs> Such an inspirational story. Um, what was that feeling like for you, just making it onto the court and knowing that you're a after you know all that you had been through up to that point, you're a Division one athlete. You're on the court playing Division I basketball. What's that feeling like? Can you describe it for me?
1: It was surreal beyond words. My goal in life, when I saw Chris Mullen play in the 1985 season with Mark Jackson, Walter Berry, and Bill Wennington, and Shelton Jones, and all those great players, I said, I want to play for St. John's one day. Mm -hmm. And my dream was to play at St. John's. And when Coach Mahoney said... Bill, some guys got hurt at the beginning of the season. We need some bodies to help us practice. Can you play? I said, yeah, where do I sign up? But that was just a practice. And yeah. then he said, we did so well in practice that we tried out to be a walk-on, we made it, and then I was a practice player. And I was content with being a practice player. And we did so well, and so many guys didn't get healthy. He said, all right, we're dressing up, you and Bradley Small, who was the other walk-on at the time, mm-hmm. we're going to give you uniforms for home games. Mm-hmm. And I was like, wait, what? A day before the game, he told us. Wow. He gave us uniforms. I wore it to bed that night. There's no question about it. <laughs> I said, I am wearing number 31 for St. John's. This is insane. Mm-hmm. I told, I called as many of my friends as I could. And in fairness, um, they're the ones that got me into the game against Columbia right before Thanksgiving and, and, uh, right after Thanksgiving in 1993, mm-hmm. um, we were beating Columbia by 30. And my Rosedale buddies, my softball team buddies, Walter, Jerry, and Ernie were yelling, we want Bill, we want Bill. (laughs) And Coach Mahoney came down to the bench and said, Billy, who are those guys? I said, well, that's my softball team from the summer. He goes, well, you better thank them because you're going in the game. (laughs) And I didn't know what to do. No one told me what to do. So I just... Shot every time I got the ball, and people (laughs) fell in love with it because I never made a shot. I I I kept missing, and they were like, "Oh, you know," and they just felt like they looked at me and they said "He's not a division one athlete, but we're gonna like him. You know, we're gonna love him. He's someone that where we can root for and identify with."
0: Exactly, it was relatable, right? It was
1: hysterical. So I got in, you know, I got in that game against Columbia, and then we got such a reaction for the next two weeks. My Uncle Johnny in Georgia got the New York Times and sent it to me. And we were the cover of the sports section. It said, Walk On Thrill in St. John's Win over Columbia. <laughs> and he goes, that's my nephew in New York. And, and we were on the cover of the New York Times, Bradley and I, for just, we got a standing ovation for not making a shot.
0: <laughs> you might be the first players ever to do that.
1: <laughs> Unbelievable. So the fans were absolutely amazing. And yeah. You know what's funny? Those fans still have season tickets
0: today. I bet, yeah, they're still there. <laughs> I bet they'll probably love this interview. <laughs> oh my um, god, they, 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 we, we just identified with them so well. So. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, let's talk about to uh, Coach Mahoney now. Um, you know, you, you go on to be a coach. We're going to talk about that in a second. Uh, from your playing days at St. John's, you mentioned uh, your playing days at Westbrook as well. Uh, what did you learn, if anything, for, from playing under uh, coaches like that? Maybe Coach Karnasek I'm not sure how involved he was with the program when you were there. But but um, you know, for, from what did you take from them as you know how to be a coach, how to be a leader? First of all, number one, my coach in Maine, Coach Grafham,
1: everything I do for the most part with my team came from his style of play Mm -hmm. Um, in Maine it's a very fast paced style it's not a lot of plays it's actually more relying on the players and a system of high energy defense and running the break and shooting threes it was a little ahead of its time Mm -hmm. Um, it's probably the way people play today he was ahead of the curve um, Coach Grafham was a very positive force. So was Coach Mahoney. Coach Mahoney was an incredibly positive force. Um, you know, the nickname for him is Good Old Brian. You know, he was just a wonderful man. Mm-hmm. He did for me. Not a lot of college coaches will do for walk-ons. He did something for me that opened up doors for the rest of my life. And he will, And every time I see him, I thank him. Mm-hmm. And he goes, oh, Billy, come on. I didn't do anything. He's such a genuinely nice man. And, and he opened up doors for me. He opened up my teaching jobs for me. Mm-hmm. He opened up my coaching jobs for me by putting me on the team. And and all for what? For six games where we were winning by 30. <laughs> So I took his coaching philosophy, and I always added walk-ons to my high school team. So I always had kids. In fact, I had a book signing tonight where six of my walk-ons showed up tonight.
0: Oh, nice. (laughs) The
1: starters didn't show up. The walk-ons showed up. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and how beautiful is that? That it's I'm passing that along to to my Hills West players that played for me, yeah. and and those kids never played a lot of minutes. They were just wonderful kids that had to be happy to be on the team as I was, mm-hmm. and I never took it for granted. I I loved every second of it. Mm-hmm. You know, every second wearing that uniform for St. John. So mm-hmm. taking that that coaching philosophy that Coach Grafham and Coach Mahoney gave me, and I used it. In my high school coaching career, definitely. Mm-hmm.
0: So, so let's get into your uh, your high school coaching career a little bit. You go to, to Hills West on Long Island. Um, w- w- was there always kind of a motivation for you to become a head coach? Was it always something that you wanted to do, or was it just sort of thrown upon you? And you said, "Well, all right, let's let's do this." Was that was that like planned, or was it not?
1: It was planned. I knew in in my in my MSG exit interview on senior day at St. John's, they said education and coaching is in the plans for. Bill Mataratone, Billy Mataratone, and I said, you know what, I'm going to be a teacher, I'm going to be a coach, um, and, and it just kind of morphed, it, it took me a little time to get that going, but I got my first teaching job at Hills West five years after I graduated college, they needed a coach, a basketball coach, and I got, you know, the teaching job came with the coaching job, and Hills West was one of the worst teams on Long Island in the year 2000, um, we were the doormat of everybody's tournaments. Um, you didn't, my goal for Hills West was to become one of the most respected teams on Long Island. That was my goal. I knew I didn't know I could win a championship or not, or you know, get to the playoff. No, and my first five years were a complete failure at Hills West. I didn't. I had no idea what I was doing. I wasn't listening to people. And a couple things changed my philosophy. Number one, I asked Coach Grafham to come down from Maine to do a clinic with me during my summer camp, and he fixed my defense. I was doing it wrong, All right, And I get a philosophy of creating defense, creating your offense from your defense. And number two, I read a book by Bobby Hurley called The Miracle of St. Anthony, where he held kids to a higher standard. And I wasn't holding my kids to a higher standard. I wasn't holding myself to a higher standard. So I worked twice as hard. And from that 2006 season on, I never missed the playoffs again. We won four county championships, two Long Island championships. We were ranked nationally in USA Today um, in 2010, which, you know, it's a local public school in Long Island. You know, that never happens. Yeah. Uh, we were 18th in the country in 2010. So, you know, we, we had a really good run after that. And it was when I got my philosophy right, the players showed up at the same time. It was a beautiful, t- it was beautiful timing. Mm-hmm. Uh, we got very lucky um, to win as
0: much as we did at Hills West over that time period mm-hmm. now you, you obviously coached a bunch of, of notable players at Hills West I think most notably Tobias Harris and his and his brothers um, one thing I find interesting about about college athletics especially college basketball nowadays is the relationship between these you know star players and head coaches it seems like some maybe in the NBA a little bit in college these star players kind of take over the teams and are almost coaching themselves uh what was your relationship like with tobias how did you coach him did you have to coach him differently or or was it you know like how did you handle having a a, a star player who i'm assuming was head and head and shoulders above the rest
1: um i think the relationship i had with tobias was unique because i've known i knew him since he was 12 years old when he came to my camp Uh, and he was this young gangly you know great kid that everybody loved he was magnetic you know his personality is magnetic so i had a relationship with him at an early age but we took it easy with him you know he played varsity as an eighth grader um he was a three-point shooter and then he grew a little bit freshman year and you could see him develop but he was one of those people that knew that i could if i'm gonna yell at you i'm gonna have i can yell at everybody on the team and correct you, you better take it with a grain of salt. You know, don't get all, you know, personal over it. Mm-hmm. I'm going to yell at you. I'm going to yell at the last guy at the end of the bench and I'm going to get you better. And it's going to come in a positive manner, but you know that, you know, we have that relationship. The other thing is at the end of a game, he trusted me, I trusted him, he loved me, I loved him, there was a mutual respect. So, you know, our county championship game in his senior year of high school, we were down three to start the fourth quarter and he had four fouls, and he looked at me, I looked at him, I said, go have fun, buddy. He goes, I got it, coach, I'm gonna win
0: this game for you. And we did, and uh, and he,
1: he just, you know, he, he came over, and gave me a huge hug at the end of the game. And so I told you I was going to do it, coach. I said, I believe you every minute of the way. Um, he's <laughs> a tremendous talent, but he works hard. I mean, he's having a great season this year. Yeah. He deserves it. He doesn't drink. He doesn't smoke. He doesn't have tattoos. Mm-hmm. The kid is a wonderful kid. He does charity work. This kid's doing everything right. And I call him a kid He's 26 years old, (laughs) but I still see him as a 12-year-old. He's doing everything right, and he deserves to be in the All-Star game this year. He deserves to get a big contract next year because he's doing it. Yeah. you know he's and, he, and he's putting in the work. But did I treat him differently? Anyone who says they don't treat their kids differently is lying. Mm-hmm. Because I treat all my better players a little bit different. You gotta, you gotta give a little bit. Mm-hmm. You can't be, you can't be this tough ogre with, you know, kids today. You got You know, you got to pat them on the back. You got to tell them how great they're doing. And uh, but when they do something wrong, you can correct them.
0: Mm-hmm. But.
1: For the most part, you got to put
0: your arm around them. Yeah, that, that's nice to hear some some honesty. I feel like so many coaches nowadays are just you know w- w- would brush that off and just say yeah I, I treat them all differently. But I, I appreciate the honesty with with that no. for sure. Um, let, let's get into one, one more question about your coaching career. And you can be I I you have the book, so I don't want you to get too in depth. But um, you can be as vague as you want with this. Uh, can you give me your best moment as a coach, either on or off the co uh, off the court in your uh, in your 17 years as a high school coach oh wow that's a great question (laughs) um my best moment wow i I mean i'll give you
1: a i'll give you a generic thing i mean every kid that ever played for me graduated every kid that played college basketball for me was eligible their freshman year
0: Hmm.
1: all of them graduated college with the exception of two and one of them was tobias because he pointed to the pros Mm -hmm. Um, I'm probably more proud of the relationships that I've made that so many of my guys keep in touch with me and call me. and um, That's what I'm most proud of. I I don't know any. I mean, you win and you lose. You know, we we were able to win a lot of games in the last 12 years that I was there. Um, You know, championships. I mean, they're nice. And. But when you know when my guys came back last year after I retired, you know, sixteen of them took me out to dinner. That was a pretty proud moment. Mm-hmm. Um, awesome. And we just went to a local restaurant, and that was cool. You mm-hmm. know, I I'm not really uh, you know it, I I mentioned like four or five games, maybe six games in the book that you know were really remarkable to me.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, but that's just to show that all the hard work did pay off. I could have quit a lot of young coaches today quit after their you know they don't have success and i didn't have success after my first 5 years mm-hmm. so i asked for help mm-hmm. and a lot of young coaches don't ask for help and they get frustrated and the parents come after them and then it's you know and then it's over and then they quit whereas i didn't quit i didn't quit in high school when i got cut and i certainly wasn't going to quit coaching when i knew i was good with the kids i just had my philosophy all screwed up and then i fixed it okay.
0: Everything worked out again. Mm-hmm. And that's awesome how it kind of comes full circle, actually, for you as a player and then as a coach. Um, one more question about about you know, and we have to finish it up now. So, you decided to retire. You said at, at the end of the 2017 season. Uh, what went into that? decision for you was was it just you making that decision was it did you ask people for advice for that decision was it something that you had you know thought about before the year was it you know it happened in a matter of days uh you know can you tell us about that decision
1: no it was i was thinking about it long uh, for over a year my mm. two daughters were playing on the volleyball circuit um one of my oldest daughter jackie is now going to catholic university to play volleyball next year wow. so i wanted to be around That's for her cool. recruitment mm. um my other daughter Courtney is playing on the travel circuit, and my son Brendan is a basketball player. And he was going into the sixth grade, and I know it's a big year for development for boys. So I said I wanted to coach him, and I went ahead and coached him last year, and we were the best team in Nassau County. <laughs> um, and this year is seventh grade, and I enjoy coaching every minute. Um, and it was time; it was eighteen years. It was a long time for coaching, mm-hmm. but I was I was I was done. You know, it was it was time to move on and. And it gave me time to write a book that I love doing. (laughs) So it was really good timing in a lot of respects. And I don't regret it at all. I don't miss it because I'm coaching my son. People ask me, oh, do you miss it? I'm like, no, I don't miss driving out 35 miles on the east end of Long Island (laughs) on a Tuesday night. No, I do not miss that. (laughs) So... Why?
0: Uh, and so, so now you're you obviously do have a little bit more free time. Uh, what does the future hold for you? What do you have planned? Is it, is there another book in the works, maybe, or uh, or what? What do you think the future holds for you? Oh, there's
1: a lot. There's a lot of books on the on a schedule this really? went so well I'm going to write some more books yeah
0: there's <laughs> no
1: stress you know my hair stopped going gray I'm getting younger um yeah seriously I want to watch my kids I you know not coaching varsity basketball allows me to go watch them play you know the volleyball circuit for travel is in, the, in the winter mm-hmm. uh, January February March yeah now I can do that my son's playing basketball I can watch every single game I love watching him he's a sweet kid um and it's really—it just it, everything works out for a reason in life. So yeah, I'm gonna write another book. Yep, nice. maybe two more.
0: Yeah, <laughs> sweet. Um... Now, that's funny you mentioned your son, actually. I, I think that there, I came across you, and I, I have to mention uh, some Twitter user pointed out your name. I, I have to throw their name in there, maybe either before or after. I'm not remembering it right now, but that's how I came across you. And then on Sunday, I saw, I think you tweeted a picture of you and your son at the St. John's game, and I was like, oh, that's that's the guy that, that, that someone mentioned to me. And I, I wanted to do this interview, and I'm happy that we got a chance to do it. Uh, I want to know you're you're obviously uh, watching this team. What's your outlook on on uh, this season with the Red Storm? The 10-0 right now, as, as of this recording. Uh, when this comes out, there'll be another game. Uh, hopefully, 11-0. What's your uh, what's your outlook for the Red Storm this year? How do they look okay. to you?
1: I have been watching St. John's since 1984. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I love this team. Mm -hmm. I love how unselfish they are. I love how athletically talented they are. I love how skilled they are. Shamari Paz is a winner, and he's going to take them into the tournament. He's going to take them into the NCAA tournament. You heard it here first. I mean, I'm sure every St. John's fan wants that. (laughs) (laughs) I went to their practice today, and I watched them practice, and they are loose and having fun, and they're working hard. Unbelievable. It was it was so much fun to watch. It was so refreshing. Pons is unbelievable. He pulls up over half court and he hits mm-hmm. threes. Mm-hmm. Um, the kid just knows how to win. He did it in high school, Thomas Jefferson. Yeah. Yep. The, you know, Clark and Simon are the glue guys. I love those guys. They work hard. Heron and uh, and Figueroa are great talented big men who can shoot and go to the basket. You know, they gotta get this kita back. You know, he was running in practice today, okay, cool. jogging. So he looked better. Um, he's doing an extensive PT, but they were just oh, a, what a great practice to watch! It was so much fun. They get so many shots up. You know, because they have a game tomorrow. They do a lot of shooting today for the game. They're working on their defense, working on their. I just love the way they. Are. I love the way they play. I just, awesome. I haven't, I haven't loved a team like this. You know and over 25 years. That's awesome. So, yeah, love watching
0: <laughs> High hopes. And I think the listeners will uh I don't know how much you see this on Twitter, but everyone wants an update on on CD Kata. So, I think the listeners will appreciate that you just gave one there being a little
1: bit... he, They said he's going to be ready for Marquette. Let's you know, or, let's or,
0: or hope, yeah. Years. And and that's been that's
1: been widely, you know, spoken about. Yeah, like yeah. Yeah, he's jogging and he's working and he's working out with the with the trainers and he looks great.
0: Yeah, let's hope. So, uh, b- let's, pray. <laughs> let's pray. Let's pray. Let's um, pray. I want I want to give you a chance now to so let everyone know uh, where they can find you, where they can find the book, uh, where they can buy the book. Most importantly, uh, if you can. Well, the first thing they can do is go to my website,
1: which is www.lastoftheredmen.com and you go to the home page and there's a button that says click here to buy my book on Amazon. Mm -hmm. And, uh, it's, it's been a bestseller in the last. It's been out three weeks. It's been a bestseller in the new releases category for basketball memoirs and biographies. It's been number one and it's some strict, there's some stiff competition going up against it. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm very excited about that. Every day I look, I'm like, wow, you know, that's pretty cool. Um, Mm -hmm so you can do that or you can just type in last of the red men into your Amazon uh, search and it comes up and it comes up last of the red men, um, you know, book and there it is. And and you can just,
0: if you do, if
1: you do check it out and you do read it, please leave me a review. That's a pretty cool thing. I need feedback, you know, for my next books. And, uh, it always helps my, uh, Amazon rating. Of course, (laughs) um, I'm learning a lot about the online, um, you know publishing world and mm-hmm. I, I like it it really gives people like myself to tell stories where ordinarily you wouldn't have that chance with a publisher
0: Yeah. so mm-hmm. very happy w- well uh i can tell you i will definitely be picking up a copy but i'm literally going to put in my order the second that we finish this uh this <laughs> interview so i will have a copy i encourage everyone to do the same I, you can preview the first couple pages on amazon it got me hooked i want to read the rest of it now uh Billy, thank you so much for uh, for joining us. It's it's eleven forty seven right now on a, on a Tuesday night, but uh, thank you for staying up a little bit late and uh, coming on to talk about the book, talk no about no your problem. story. And, and we're uh, gonna
1: have we're gonna have some book signings in a new year, and I'll put that on my Amazon page, so if people want to come down and hang out and talk hoops we're ready for you
0: come definitely, on down. definitely thank you for uh for coming on maybe you know we can have you on uh, again at some point this year hopefully uh week we can do something if uh if if uh, time permits or something like that but yeah thank you man for coming on i really appreciate it you got
1: it Troy. great questioning i love it thank you all
0: right uh, have a good one man and congrats on the you book got it. all Take right care. Bye. another huge thanks there to billy Materatona. For doing an un- unbelievable job, uh, we actually did that interview. I don't know if you caught it at the end. We did the interview at like eleven thirty at night on a, on Tuesday night. So he, he was a champ for uh, for doing it that late and staying up late with me. Um, and talking, talking, shop there, and talking hoops. Uh, incredible story, inspirational story, uh, and I hope you guys enjoyed it. I really enjoyed doing it. You know, like I said, we've never really done anything like that before, or an interview like that before. Uh, most of the others have been, you know, more analytical, talking about games or teams, which is fine. And that's not to discredit any of our other guests, but this was certainly something different. And I think different is good to kind of mix it up every once in a while. So if you guys like that, please let me know. If you did like it uh let me know as well but i really want to try to keep doing those you know maybe not mix them or um mix them in during biggie's play with a you know game reaction or something like that but um you know maybe just release an episode like that on their own so if you have anyone who you think you'd like to see be profiled like that uh let me know and we'll try to work it out i really i'm, I'm all ears to hear anyone that you may say may have just like um george reached out to me about Billy. And thank you guys again for that. And on that note, I really want to, you know, get a little emotional here with you guys for a second, but, um, to all of you who have, you know, reached out with suggestions on how to help out the show, or you know, taken part in these polls that I've done, or taken part and given, you know, um, your feedback on the team, or even those of you who have joined the show, uh, I really want to thank you guys uh, for doing that. You know, if you go back to this first episode, I, I made a note, you know, to to uh, to all of you saying I didn't want this to just be me. I wanted it to be, you know, a group effort, a community effort of St. John's fans. And I think I can safely say. You know, through the first month and a half, uh, you know, leading into Biggie's play now, it, it's really been just that. You know, I think I, I hope I've done a good job of getting everyone who wants to be involved involved. Um, you know, we had our, our fan forum a couple weeks ago where we had a lot of, guy, of people, you know, vote on that poll and send in their comments. Uh, Most of the writers that we have, I think we only had one writer, Zach, I think was the only writer that came on that is, you know, actually does that for a a job. I think all the others are, you know, amateur journalists. So I I really appreciate all of them coming on and giving their time as well. And even Zach, I appreciate him coming on. Hopefully we can have him on again and uh, giving his time. But seriously, guys, thank you so much for all of you who have not just made uh, this, you know, me sitting in front of a mic talking. And I really appreciate it. So some housekeeping now to end the show. Uh, next week, we're going to probably – I know it's Christmas, but we're going to probably have a show coming out either Wednesday night, Thursday, or Friday. It's going to be a preview of the uh, of the Seton Hall game, obviously. Hopefully, we can have on a, uh, a recurring guest. Hopefully, or, or two, but um, you know we'll see we'll see people's availability. I know it's it's the holidays, so we'll see. But uh, yeah, we will be previewing St. John's and Seton Hall. The first game of Big East play, St. John's will hopefully be uh, be 12 and I'll going into that game. So we will see. And uh, thank you guys again for listening. Thank you to Billy Materatona again for joining us. Buy that book if you haven't already. And I uh, will see you guys next week. Merry Christmas to all who celebrate. And uh, let's go Johnny's.